So, you know, God is so good that he doesn't want, yes, somebody said all the time, (laughs) that he doesn't want us to miss out on the big point in life. And so these last few weeks together, what we've been talking about is how God, he doesn't want to confuse you. He doesn't want to limit your life. He wants to ignite your passion and release you into the lane that you were uniquely gifted to run in. But before he does that, he wants to frame a purpose for you that is bigger than your own life and your own experience, so at the end of the day, you don't have to miss the big point. But it's possible, I think, for someone to listen to this series. We're in week four of the series now. And up to this point in time, and say, you know, wow, that's, okay, that's been encouraging. I want to do my best. I want to be excellent at what I do. I want to lead in my field, and I want to leave a mark in this world. But you could still do all of that and miss the ultimate point of life, which is, as we've been talking about, our purpose is to know God, to make him known. So bigger than a job, bigger than a calling, even bigger than a lane that you're, that you're running in or a stewardship or assignment is a purpose. And that purpose and that canopy for all of our lives that are Jesus followers is the purpose is to know him and to make him known. And I don't want any of us to miss that today, and God doesn't want you to miss that today. But there was a man in Scripture that Jesus described in one of his teachings, and and he shared it in Luke 12. And in this parable, he said that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So this man took the stairs, if you were here last week. I took the stairs a few times last week. In fact, I was at this conference at the Gaylord um, uh, Resort in Nashville, it's our international four-score convention. It happens um, every, the last week in May, every year. Uh, so our international gathering. And every time I had the opportunity, I was thinking, I, I just, I have to take the stairs. I preached it this last weekend. <laughs> and so I was taking the stairs. I had the question, does it count if it's escalators? Because I took the escalators a few times this week too. <laughs> but the, this man crushed it in his area. He took the stairs. This man killed it in his particular endeavor in life. And a lot of us know people like that. You know, I'm thinking about somebody in my own right now, and you could pull out just about anybody and say, this person, he did it amazing in life, and they're crushing it in every single way, but they still don't really know the purpose of what their life and what it's all about. So this is what Jesus said about him. Could you just stand with me as we read our opening scripture this morning? I'll read it to you this morning, all right? It says, a wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. In fact, it filled his barns to overflowing. And he thought, what should I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to store more? I mean, don't you just love this guy? I am succeeding so much right now that I don't know what to do with all that I have, all the blessing that's coming into my life. But then he has an idea. And then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and I'll build one massive barn that will hold all of my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back, I can kick back, I can be surrounded with comfort and ease, and I'll enjoy life with no worries at all. Now that's a guy that found his deal, right? He found his passion, and it was farming. He, he succeeded. He did well. He accomplished great things. His business grew. His abundance was obvious to everyone. But then the story ends this way. Check out what Jesus says. It says, God said to him, Now that he's got these big barns and and this amazing success, God said to him, what a fool. What a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. 
This very night, the messengers of death are demanding to take your life. Then who will get all the wealth that you have stored up for yourself? (laughs) Father God, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, uh, we just pray that, uh, Lord, we'd, we'd open up our spirit, man, and we would hear directly from you. Give me the words to speak. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Okay, so see what God wants to do is release you to be great at whatever it is that you're called to do. That's what we've been talking about in this series and whatever sphere that you're living in. But that's not enough, God says. I don't want you to just do great and then get to the end of life and go, well, I succeeded. I got to the top of the stairs. And he says, I want you to have purpose that is bigger than all of that so that you can stand at the end of this life on the brink of the next and say, wow, I got clued in to this big idea, which is all this is for the glory of God, first of all. And then God was so kind to invite me into this great purpose to release me into this thing that I love and the thing that I'm good at, to do that and use that in such a way that brings glory to him now and in eternity. And God is kind like that. That's his character. And he doesn't want any of us today to miss the point. Now, a lot of us are getting that far. We're getting that point. We're getting the purpose. We understand sort of how our passion now folds into that purpose. And we've been asking the question, how do I do the whatever in my life in such a way that I do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, in such a way that I can give glory to God? That's what we've been talking about the last two weeks. And we've answered that a few ways. If you're a young person or any person that's stepping into your calling, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the whole series. If you've missed it, there's some life principles that you can put um, to work and hang your hat on. I, I live by these verses. And give glory to God in your life, number one, by making excellence your standard. Number two, we do it with distinction being our calling card. And last week we talked about it, doing it with a costly consistency being our operating grid. But there's one more thing that we need to add to that, okay, that, that equation. So how you do the whatever in your life in such a way that you do it for the glory of God, the last component is simply this in your notes, that we make our aim to tell people about Jesus. Pastor, you always got to bring it back to Jesus. We we talk about Jesus all the time. Jesus, 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 right? Well, yeah, he's kind of the center of everything that we do. (laughs) And so this is where we're ending this series again. To say it in a different way, the win for you and for me is people hearing about Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. So yes, we want to be excellent. We want excellence to be our standard. Yes, we want distinction to be our calling card. Nobody like you has ever worked in this office before. Nobody like you has ever led this class before. Who are you? Where do you come from? What planet are you from? We want that. We want distinction in our lives and we want to pay the price. We want to pay the price to be our best. But there's one more thing in the story, and we have to have a passion inside of us, and the passion is this. Our win is not dollars, it's not money, it's not accolades, it's not the success that comes with it, it's not the platform. Our win is people hearing about Jesus. That is the win for us, and we want to make our aim people coming to know Jesus through our passion, through our actions, building a platform building a platform which will give us the opportunity to share a message. But our, but our actions cannot substitute for us actually articulating the story of Jesus to the world. And you're like, well, why not? Because the scripture says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and by what? 
hearing by the word of God. And so do you realize that no one's ever put their faith in Jesus and gone from death to life spiritually without hearing words? But you're thinking to yourself, oh, no, 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 no. One of the great fathers of our faith said, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, you can finish it for me. Use words, right? You've heard that before. Preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Sounds awesome, right? You probably quoted it. I know I have. It sounds really beautiful, and it is beautiful. It is a beautiful sentiment, but what St. Francis of Assisi I'm sure he got made fun of in school with that name. St. <laughs> Francis of Assisi was saying is don't just broadcast a message to people. Don't let it end there. Actually show them the kindness of God. Show them the love of God. Show them the mercy of God. Show them the abundance of God through the way that you live. So preach the message, but then do that stuff too. So this is a great sentiment, but it's not a complete thought. Because people don't come to know Jesus by watching other people simply do good things. People come to know Jesus by hearing the word of God. So that's where faith is born. So our actions build a platform, but our actions can't be substituted for people actually really hearing about Jesus. And so today, we're taking this step together and we're just believing that everybody in this city will have an opportunity to have faith in Jesus because they've heard of the word of God because of the people in this room that have passion and purpose. Amen? So now you may be sitting there going, hey, that's great. That's great. I agree with that. But Pastor Sean, that's your job. <laughs> Somebody said amen, I think, back there. <laughs> I mean, that's your job, Pastor Sean and Pastor Deanna, to tell people about Jesus. My job is to be a banker. My job, you know, you were the one that went to Bible school and have that degree in ministry, and I'm sure that they taught you somewhere along the way how to tell people about Jesus. So that's your job. But that's, let me just tell you, that's a narrow way of thinking and seeing what we're talking about today. The bigger way and the broader way, and I hope it, this paints a picture this morning through Scripture and through the stories, but dare I say the Jesus way of seeing that what we're talking about today is that all of us, every one of us in the room has the opportunity to tell our story of Jesus. On every corner and every place and everywhere and every street and every neighborhood, we spent a few weeks talking about that, every single one of us telling the story of Jesus to the world. And that's when revival is gonna break out in Rapid City, South Dakota, and in the world. And it's not going to be, you know, the old school. If we can just get everybody to church on Friday and Saturday and Sunday for the fire conference, we'll have revival. That was kind of the old school thing, right? Get everybody through revival. Everybody will, will pray the prayer, the salvation prayer. Re no. Revival happens when all of us understand that if we choose to do the things that God has called us to do, we're going to have a platform from which we can tell our story of Jesus to the world. I heard a preacher say this back in the Occupy Wall Street movement. He said, Occupy Wall Street? How about this? We as believers, we want to occupy all streets. We want to go into every single block, every single office building, every single classroom, every spin class, every neighborhood. And we want to say, this is my area and I'm going to claim this area for Jesus. I want to bring light into this area for his glory. I've been placed here with a purpose. 
And so this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation for us this morning. He said, your lives are like salt among the people. You are, we are in this room. But if you, like salt, become bland, how will your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. And then listen to what Jesus says to you and me. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light upon them and they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. See, we can't look at Colossians 3.17, which we've been hanging this whole series on, our anchor verse in this series, and say, man, it's basically just God kind of showing up and rubber stamping my success. You know, saying that I just got to run into my whatever and get ignited over my passion and go kill it and be a great success in life. God is inviting us into a bigger story. Do anything that I've created you to do. I want you to run in your lane. I want you to run in your passions. But I want you to run in your lane so that you'll have a platform to stand on from which you can share your story of Jesus to the world. The way to remember it easily is four words that start with a W. It's in your notes and it's this. That your work and your ways will give you the opportunity to share your witness and your winnings for the glory of God. We've got alliteration going strong here this morning. Your work and your ways will give you the opportunity to share your witness and your winnings for the world. Let's talk about um, those two things, your witness and your winnings. What is your witness? It's, it's simply you sharing the story of Jesus with your world. And you're like, Sean, I'm not a theologian, I'm a techie. I build phones, I, I work on computers, so I don't really know, like I'm not good at telling this whole story of Jesus thing to the people around me. That's not what I'm really skilled at. And it's not what I'm good at. And that's why I invited my neighbor to church, so that you can tell him about the story of Jesus, because I'm not really good at telling the story of Jesus. And I get that, I get that, and that's great. If you invited a neighbor or a friend or, or coworker to church, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm not going to argue too much about that. <laughs> I'm excited about that. We love that. And, but I want you to understand that you have a story to tell too. You have a story to tell that maybe, and I say maybe tongue in cheek, you have a story that more powerful to your coworker than them coming and hearing me tell a story. Why? Because your story is the story that is sitting on the platform of your work and your ways. That you've climbed those stairs, you know, con um, consistency, costly consistency. And it gives you a unique ability to communicate to the people that you know best and that th they know you best and, and about what Jesus is doing in your life in a totally normal way. It's not some strange way like, yo, hello, everybody. Let me put up on my church voice and get on my church suit coat <laughs> and let me get in my church frame of mind and tell everybody about Jesus because Jesus has a plan for your life and I want you to read your Bibles and I want you to come to the prayer meeting, you know? And, and, and people are going to be like, what happened to him? <laughs> 
right? I'm talking about in a normal way because you have relationship with people, you've built relationship with people, you have their trust. They've seen your work and your ways, your excellence, your distinction, um, your costly consistency, and it's you telling your story of Jesus to the people around you built on that platform. And so now, if your work and your ways are shoddy, then your platform might be a little wobbly. God may still use it because of his grace, amen, because his word is powerful, the gospel is powerful, but if your work and your ways are stellar, if they're amazing, if your, standard, if your excellence is your standard, then your platform is going to hold up when you share your story of Jesus with the people around you. You don't have to be able to debate your story or defend your story, you just need to be able to tell your story. You don't need to, to send an email to the whole team where it says, hey, everybody, if you have theological questions, just go ahead and send them to me. <laughs> you know, if, if you have any philosophical things that you've been wrestling with, just stop by my cubicle. Any scientific issues related to faith that you've been struggling with, just drop by here. If there's a passage in scripture that you need exegeted from the Old Testament or the New Testament, you need help in the original Hebrew or Greek, please feel free to stop by. It's, you know, I'll be happy to help and solve all your dilemmas that you're thinking about. No! You don't have to take that weight on your life. You just need to say, hey, I've got to tell you what a God is doing in my life. I've got to tell you about it because this, it's the platform that I'm building everything that I'm doing on. He's, he's it. And say, okay, well, great, but I don't believe in God. Well, I just want you to know that when you go to eat some lunch with your coworker, you don't have to be able to defend it. You don't have to be able to fully explain it even. You just need to be willing to share the message of who Jesus is in your life. The message of Jesus based on what he's doing in your life. You have a story of Jesus that you can tell to others about what he's done. And so there's a story about the woman that, that Jesus came to at, at Jacob's well. She'd been divorced five times and was living with a guy. So her life was a little bit out of kilter at the moment. And Jesus, in this conversation, unfolds to her that he gets it all. He understands it all. And then he wants to help her. So can you imagine how this is rocking her world? And, and so, you know, you're not judging me, or condemning me, but you want to help me and lead me to God's plan for my life? That's kind of the questions that are going through. And I understand that, you know, you're not applauding the fact that I've been married five times, but you're not pushing me away either. Because I'm, I'm defective at relationships. You didn't, you didn't say anything about that to, to belittle me. You're actually offering me what I'm dying for on the inside, which is living water that will satisfy the thirst that no relationship has been able to solve in my life. The woman leaves the well. She goes back into the village and listen to her testimony. You talk about an ordinary person just sharing their story of Jesus to the world. She goes back to the village, John chapter 4, verse 28. And it says, all at once the woman dropped her water jar, ran off to her village, and she told everyone, get ready for this outstanding testimony, Okay. Are you ready for this mind-boggling witness? Are you ready for this? Here it comes. Quote, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one that we've been waiting for. End quote. That was her story. She didn't say, you know, well, I'm going to start with Genesis and work my way through the Old Testament and show you how uh, this man that I met at Jacob's well today is in fact the savior of the world. 
get ready, sit down, people, get a notepad out. You're going to want to take notes. This is going to take a while. No. She just said, man, I met this guy. Something happened. He knew everything about my life. He knew everything about me. But that wasn't terrible because he didn't condemn me or squash me in the dirt. He actually spoke hope to me and led me towards a promise of something that I didn't even know existed. You've got to come see this guy. He told me everything that I've ever done. I mean, who's walking around the office doing that? I mean, you know, you should meet Jesus. You know, he'll tell you everything that you've ever done. Come on. <laughs> Bible study in the break room at 1130. People would be like, I think I'm good, right? I don't want anybody reading my mail. But see, it was her countenance. I, it was the fact that something was changing in her when she says that. This guy might be the guy, she says. This guy might just be the guy. Somebody could have said, how do I know that you actually talked to this guy? I didn't see any proof here, hard evidence, that you actually met a man at the well. You know, I don't, I don't believe you. I just, I, I just don't believe that you actually even did that. I mean, you're probably making the whole thing up. So no, I'm not buying it. Or somebody could have said, you know, coming the other way. So what did he say? And then what did you say? Living water? Like a spring? Water coming out of you? Uh, you, you would never be thirsty again? That sounds like a double negative out of some kind of hypothesis bending idea that I can't really get on board with because of Einstein's third law of physics and they start explaining and getting all sciencey on you. And she's just not going to go, well, let me prove that to you. I just happen to have Einstein's work right here and pull it out of her pocket. That's not what's happening. She's not going to go, let me prove that to you. No, she just said, okay, great. I, I, I was just inviting you to come and see a man who told me everything about everything I've done in my life, who knew all about me. And this guy might be a guy that you should talk to. That's all she said. So you don't have to start out with hosting a Bible study at your office or your classroom or your neighborhood among the moms. You could start by just being a servant. You could start there. You could start by caring for people. You could, you could cause really... Honestly, no, nobody, nobody wants us to tell them anything unless they know that we care about them first, right? You've got to have a relationship. You've got to love people. You could start by encouraging people. You, you maybe share a scripture verse with somebody that's struggling. You know, you're like, you know, I, don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if I could even do that. I don't, I, here's, here's a simple approach. You, you can just say, hey, man, I'm thinking about you. I know... It's been hard, and I know what you're going through. And you know, when I was going through a hard time, this particular scripture in Psalms really spoke to me. Is it okay if I just read that to you? That's, that's, as, that's as simple and as complex as it needs to be. That's, does that sound doable? You know? And the, the, most people going through really hard times aren't going to say, I don't want any encouragement, thank you. Most people aren't going to say that. Um, they'll be like, thank you. Or, or, or you could just start by praying for them. God, I really want you to touch her. I really want you to move in her life. I want you to show, you, show her how much that you love her. Even before you get to any conversation with that person, I really want you to break in and let her see the big idea so that she won't miss it in life. And maybe you pray for a week or a month or a year and you don't see a lot happen. But a year later, on a platform of your ways and your work... A moment comes and you get to articulate to that person the story of Jesus. And when you do, what power is coming through your life 
when you've prayed for that person for a year. When you've been praying and seeking God's face that their, their, their eyes would be open to see Jesus. So you don't have to roll in and be John the Baptist coming down the hallway tomorrow. You can just start at the little step and say, I want people to hear about Jesus. That's my heartbeat. This is the win for me and you. And when you do that, yes, you're probably going to get shot at eventually. Everybody who goes on record with their faith in Jesus at some point is going to get shot at. Jesus said they persecuted me and they'll persecute you. They, the world, hated me and the world will hate you. And this is what he said. If you were of the world, the world would applaud you. But you're not of the world. You are from another family tree. So don't be shocked if the world kind of pushes back on the way and the truth and the life and the person of Jesus. Don't, don't be surprised by that. But if, think about this though. But if your work and your ways are amazing, the world is going to have a harder time shutting down the message. Take, for example, Tim Tebow. National championship game, University of Florida. Everybody knows the guy's a winner. In 2009, the Lord stirs in his heart. He's been wearing Philippians 4.13 under his eyes in every game. But he feels like God's changing it. He says, you know, I want you to put John 3.16 under there. And, you know, if God was saying that to me, I think my response would have been, God, there's going to be a guy in a multicolored wig holding up the sign at the end sign. We don't have to worry about that verse. It's already covered. <laughs> But he feels like this is the Lord, so he changes his Philippians 4.13 verse to John 3.16. They win the game. He's the most valuable player, wins the national championship, has the spotlight put on his life. And here's a guy that would tell you that he's gotten pushback for his faith. But here's the thing also. It's hard not to listen to Tim Tebow because of his work and his ways. And he found out later that during that game, the first time he put those uh, John 3.16 scripture underneath his eyelids, he found out that during that game, 94 million people Googled John 3.16 during the game. 94 million. His quote when he heard that was, how do 94 million people not know John 3.16? <laughs> but his work and his ways built a platform for him. You see that? And on that platform, he gave a witness, a 94 million people witness as they read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. A football player preached to 94 million people that day so don't ever look down on your story of Jesus. Even with pushback, if your work and your ways are good, God is going to honor his message because of the platform. So listen to what happened at the end of this woman's story. At the end of John 4, verse 39, it says, So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. That was enough. They went, okay, I believe that he's the Messiah. Awesome, let's go see, let's go listen. Where is he? I want to go. The testimony, again, quote, he told me everything that I ever did, end quote. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed two days. So this woman ended up being responsible for a two-day Jesus stay in this town 
they got, think about it, they got Jesus for a two-day stay in the flesh out of his three years of ministry because of this woman. That's pretty, pretty awesome. Because of his words, many more became believers. Now, can we just underline that for just a second? Not all of them, but it says, but many more. So when you're going out there with your story, in some cases, there's going to be a response, I still don't believe it. I still don't want to come. I don't want to go. And now, don't respond to that and go, I'm a failure. Because Jesus came to their town for two days, and some people said no to Jesus. But many of them said, you're the one. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I mean, come on, isn't that what every one of us wants? We want to be bold. Robert Briner, some of you guys that have been around for a while might remember his book called Roaring Lambs. Um, He called the kind of people that do this Roaring Lambs. Um, People who are crushing it in their field but are willing to rise up and speak out about the Savior who has changed their life. So at the end of the day, you know, don't you want to be in heaven with at least one person in heaven that says, "Uh, it's because of you. It's because... Like I said, I, I like to go back to donuts, but it's because of your donuts, <laughs> right? It's because of that thing that you, that passion lane that you walked in and the platform that God gave you. And when you spoke about Jesus, that's the reason that I'm here. And, and that is not just God's hope for preachers and the pastors and the missionaries and the evangelists and the bloggers or whoever they all are. That's God's hope for you. That you would be in heaven going, man, my platform didn't look that great in the assembly line. My platform didn't look that huge when I was managing that restaurant. But hello, that platform built an opportunity for me. And on that opportunity, I told my story of Jesus to a girl named Melanie. And Melanie, her eyes were opened and she's in heaven now. And she's telling me that when you told me about God, what what God was doing in your life, that's where it started. But then when I met Jesus, that's where it ended because he's the author and the finisher of my faith. You started it, but he finished it. And I'm not here necessarily because of your story, but I'm here because of his story in my life, but I caught on to it because of your story. And that, my friends, is powerful. The second word is our winnings. We all want to win whatever, you know, whatever that means for you. More followers, more fans, more fame, more franchise, more kids, more money, more problems. I had to throw that in there for the 90s kids. <laughs> more promotion, more, there was not, obviously many of you in the room. More responsibility, more stewardship. But we all want to win in some way. But here's the kicker. God wants us to share our winnings into our purpose. He wants to share our winnings into our purpose, which is to know him and to make him known. He wants us to be ready to say, I killed it and I never dreamed that I was going to make buku money, $30 million, but I did. I got winnings from my work and my ways through being excellent, through being distinct in my calling, through constant... Um, consist, costly consistency, and you know what I'm going to do with these winnings? I'm going to invest them into my purpose, which is to know Jesus and to make him known. And how does that happen? I, I believe it happens when you stay rooted in the sending soil of the local church. 
being, being, because successful is funny. One of the things that you see it do to people is detach them from their locale. And uh, it's natural. It's good, actually. But all of a sudden, you know, maybe somebody's in Shanghai the next day, and then they're in Singapore, and, and then the next day they're in Seattle. They're, they're world travelers. They're, they're doing their business. Their things, things are going great. And they've, they've got to be in this time zone and that time zone, or they mess up this, this billion-dollar contract. You know, okay, maybe not that much responsibility for most of us in this room. But, you know, the weight of being good in your passion zone results in more responsibility generally. Does everybody agree with that? And so before you know it, it's like, man, I love the church. I was brought up in the church. I was empowered in the church. I was taught there. I was strengthened there. I was encouraged there. I was sent out there. But now that I've, quote, made it, it's tough to get back there. And as a youth pastor, I would start seeing this with uh, the upperclassmen, you know, in the senior high years, as they start to venture out into the work world for the first time. And I, I just want to encourage you, if you're on the front end of getting where you want to be in life, start planning to succeed now and start planning to be rooted in the church, wherever that is. Because most of you, uh, as you're called out to different places, you, you might not land in Rapid, but find a church and get rooted in it. And to succeed, here's the thing. In the business world, to succeed, you plan to fail. You guys realize that? You're like, I've never, I never, I'll never plan to fail. Bless God, <laughs> right? Well, so stick with me just a second. Let me explain. Most businessmen plan to fail. It's called your contingency plan that you have in your folder. And hopefully you have a contingency plan if you're in a business because business climates change, um, uh, you know. But that's really a, a what happens if it fails plan. And we're good at planning for what happens when it fails, but maybe sometimes we're not so great at planning what happens if it succeeds. And so let's just pick a, a field, entertainment. So all of a sudden you have 7 million followers. Did you plan for that or, or did you just work and hope for it? Did you plan, what am I going to do when I've got 7 million people who want to know what I eat for lunch today? And, and what I'm wearing right now and what my next thing is going to be. And all of a sudden now you've got money and opportunity and fame and maybe a house here and a house there and a house over there and it's all coming in now full speed did we plan to succeed by deciding what we're going to do when we've succeeded is the question to make sure that we have the purpose in our lives that doesn't get diminished in any way by the success that comes with the blessing that came to our lives have you, have you got a plan to succeed and so this isn't about you sharing your winnings and your ties and you're giving to Destiny Foursquare Church. That's not where I'm going with this this morning. Although, go, win big, win real big. We love great tithers. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's biblical. I'm not saying to not do that. But this, it's really more about you staying tethered to your purpose for which you were awakened by God. The vision of every tribe and every language and every people, sorry, every tongue hearing about Jesus. And you know where that vision is stoked? Where is that vision stoked? It's stoked in the fireplace of the community of faith. It's, it's in the church of Jesus Christ. That's not going to be stoked out of the thing that you've got to go out with all the investors in Tokyo <laughs> or Sioux Falls, wherever it is that God takes you. That fire is stoked in the church family where, where the church gathers in worship and the word of God is spoken. That the mission that we're called to is proclaimed and your heart catches that fire again. And so it's not about me. It's not about the billions of people who haven't had a chance, you know, to, to hear yet. 
that's, it, it's, it's all about the people who haven't had a chance to hear yet. It's about the billions of people who haven't had a chance to hear yet, isn't it? It's, and that happens, that's, that's the win for me when people hear about Jesus. And, and I want to be a part of, hear, of people hearing about Jesus. That's the ultimate win. And so that happens when we're rooted in the local church. And we have people here that are living out their passionate calling. And there are beautiful examples of it. And I can tell you story after story of people just in our house alone with stewardship in their life, with a big calling in their life. And the next time we get together after the fire conference, we're going to actually have a panel of those people up here sharing their stories. I can't wait for it. Um, But, you know, they're going to be like, man, we did X, Y, and Z and moved this and that so that we could be here at church to hold the door or be a part of something significant or just to be in the house and be in worship today. And those are the people who are planning well. And I believe the better you plan to succeed, the more willing God is to help because otherwise he knows that success is going to wash out your purpose. And yeah, you're going to kill it and maybe be on the front page, but you're going to be sad in the end that your earnings aren't with you in the eternity beyond. So I mentioned this already, and sorry for all the sports highlights today, but let's go back to Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback for Clemson. You might remember me saying this if you've been around. He's been interviewed. He's the MVP of the game they won. Uh, they, they won. He's the new Tim Tebow um, this year, and he's just standing there. He's a teenager. He says later in the interview that he's more excited or as excited that they had Chick-fil-A after the game on the bus ride back to the hotel as they, that they won the national championship. He's a teenager. That's where his heart is, I guess. So, but anyway, back, back to the interview. All the cameras are on. Millions of people are watching on the platform that he's risen to. Is this teenager from Atlanta, Georgia. And in passing, the question is, it's been a tumultuous year. The, the, the whole one quarterback's out, and then you're back in. That was a big trauma. And now you're here. You made it all the way to this point. You're undefeated. You won the game. You're the MVP. How did you manage a year like that? And his answer, you could tell that it was not calculated or scripted. His answer was, I'll tell you one thing. If it wasn't for my small group, I wouldn't have made it. And I was like, rewind? I, I, I thought he said, if it weren't for my small group, rewind, turn the volume up. If it wasn't for my small group, I wouldn't have made it. That's the first time I saw that. I was like, come on, Trevor Lawrence, right? <laughs> I heard about the conversation. That I, I heard this listening to um, his pastor was talking about this. And the conversation his pastor had with him um, when he was in church the next week after this big moment for him. And do you know what he said to Trevor? He said, bro, when you go to the Super Bowl, stay in your small group. When, when you get your first endorsement deal, stay in your small group. Stay connected to the local church. Stay rooted in the local church. Stay in the house of faith. Why? Because when you get your business where you want it or you get your art displayed in the right gallery or you get your money where you've always dreamed about having it, newsflash, nobody that works for you is going to hold you accountable to God's purpose for your life. Because they're all on the ticket of your success, right? You know who's going to keep you accountable to God's calling on your life? Your brothers and sisters in the family of faith in the house of God, who are not going to see you coming through the door and go, oh my gosh, it's Trevor Lawrence. Where's my phone? I've got to snap a picture. If this was Trevor's church, we would have the opportunity to say this morning as he comes in, welcome Trevor. You can sit right over here in this chair. Let's come and let's worship. This is all about Jesus. You can get out of the spotlight for once. It's not all about you. uh, Because, you know, by the way, keep on walking with Jesus, Trevor. We love having you as a part of the kingdom of God because it's in the sending soil that you have the best chance to handle the pressure wherever you go and handle the success wherever you go. 
Same principle applies. And we want to have sending soil here. We don't want uh, to, to grab you out of your calling and bring you in on Tuesday afternoon to have you knit pillows for the senior care facility. Unless your passion is for exactly that. Then by all means, come in on Tuesday afternoon and knit away. Use the loop stitch if you can. Uh, we don't want to grab you out of your field and, and cloister you in a building. We want to release every single one of you in this room out of this church to occupy all streets in Jesus' name. But your best chance of doing that is when you stay rooted. That's your choice in the soil of the family of God. You need the local church, and the local church needs you. The local community of faith, this is how our lives work, and this is the life that leads to the why. You were not created to do this life alone. Don't try it. It's the life that eventually somebody says, I've got to ask you a question. What's going on with you? And you're like, who? Looking around. Hey, I must have built a platform. Thank you, Lord. You're asking me what's going on with me? Yeah, we're asking you. Well, I think that God gave me this gift and I want to use it for him because he's amazing and he changed my life. Really, tell me more. It's the life that leads to the why so you don't have to go beating down the doors. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. People are knocking on your door. How do you do it? What's going on with you? What's your secret, Trevor? What's going on that I don't know about? Oh man, well thank you Lord, I just got an opportunity to add to my work and to my ways, my witness of what Jesus is doing in my life. And you know, it's interesting, when we started this series, I'm just going to close with this story. I said, you don't have to put scripture, a scripture verse on your letterhead or, or a fish on your van to do everything that you do in his name. Unless your name is Maya Moore. Anybody familiar with that name? I'm just curious. Anybody know that name, Maya Moore? All right. Yeah, all right. Okay, great. Doug, you can come on up if you're playing keys. So let me tell you a little bit about her, since most of you aren't familiar with that name. Her work and her ways. We don't have time to hit it all, so I'm just going to do the highlights this morning. Collins High School, near uh, Sewanee, Georgia. Maya won multiple state championships. She was the National Gatorade Player of the Year, the Gatorade Female Athlete of the Year, and the McDonald's All-American. Her record at Collins High School was 125 and three, and she's really hacked about the three. <laughs> she went on to the University of Connecticut where she won back-to-back -back national championships in 2009, 2010, and so many other accolades in her college career that I can't mention them all here. First overall pick, 2011 WNBA draft. Since then, she has won four WNBA championships in 2011, 13, 15, and 17. The odd years are her years, I guess. WNBA Most Valuable Player Award. WNBA Finals MVP Award three WNBA All-Star Game MVPs. And on and on and on. In the off-season, she's also won a championship in the Spanish League, in the Euro League, playing for a team in Valencia, Spain. And from 2013 to 15, in the off-season, she won the Chinese League Championship every single year playing for the Shanty Flames. Sports Illustrated 
said in 2017 about her, Maya Moore is the greatest winner in the history of women's basketball. And she was the first female ever signed to the Jordan brand. And publicly and personally, she stands on that platform and she tells people the story of Jesus. She sings in the choir at her church. She, you, can, you can see her when she lifts up her hands in his worship. It's like an eagle taking flight. <laughs> and in my mind, after hearing her story, Maya Moore doesn't have to put scripture on her letterhead or a fish on her car unless she wants to. And apparently, she wants to. So I want to present to you the Maya Moore, check this out, collab Jordan 10 Court Lux Shoes, ladies and gentlemen. $190 at the Nike store. I just, I checked it out. They were there yesterday. Can I read you the description from the Nike website? Here's what it says. Representing greatness in each of their fields, superstar basketball player Maya Moore and international model and stylist Aaliyah May join forces for this collab. Credited as one of Moore's favorite sneakers, this Air Jordan X features premium suede in her favorite colors. Finishing details include an icy outsole and details on the leather heel tab as a tribute to her favorite Bible verse. Hmm. So, look at Maya go. First female collab on Jordan shoes. Men or women. See, look on the back tab. I want to show it to you. There it is. 3 colon 23. And this is pretty great for me this morning because this is just a few verses down from the verse that we've been hanging this whole series on, which is, say it with me, Uh, This is uh, Colossians 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you keep on working your way down to verse 23, it's very similar. This is what it says. This is Maya's favorite verse. It says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart, as if you were doing it for the Lord and not men. She's in the Nike boardroom and and she's saying, guys, I want it to be suede and I want it to have my purple and my royal blue and this flaming red and I want to put on the back something that really matters to me because guys, everything I've done is all about me wanting to do my best for God's glory. So I want to put this little marker on the back that leads people to this verse that encapsulates everything that I've done. And the people at Nike, they said, Nah, we're not going to do that. (laughs) No, that's not what happened. The people at Nike said, you're Maya Moore. You want to put 323 on the pull tab? Cool. We'll write about it on the website description. It's likely that you're not going to get a pair of Jordan shoes. And you may never play in the national championship game. But God has you somewhere. God has assigned you to your street, your office, 
your business, your passion, your calling, the lane that you work in, your work and your ways to build a platform on which you have the privilege of giving a witness and sharing your winnings to the glory of God. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for your purposes and your plans. God, I hope you've stirred it up in some of us in this room throughout this series, Lord, that you've called us, first of all, under the canopy of knowing you and making you known, and that you'd help us to find our passions, Lord, to do them with a standard of excellence, with distinction being our calling card, and doing it with costly consistency, but all of that ending and telling people about who May it not be just the work. May it not be just getting to the platform, getting to the top of the steps, but may it be all about shining light on you when we get that platform. So God, help us as we walk out our life callings with excellence, with character, with dignity, treating people with respect, loving them like you love them. But when we get there, Father God, help us to shine the light on you. It's all about you. It's all about you. God, we give it all to you. In your mighty name, we pray. Amen. With nobody looking around this morning, I just want to give um, everybody in this room an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If you're here this morning, if you haven't done that yet, um, he, he, he's the Savior that we've, we're talking about in this room this morning. He's the one that is faithful yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one that fills you with purpose when maybe you feel like you don't have any. Um, he's got a plan for you that's better than you can think of or imagine. If that's you this morning, I just want to invite you into that with nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. We don't want to embarrass you. It's just me that's looking right now. Would you raise your hand up high in the air? Is there anybody in the place this morning? I want to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Father God, this time, this day is yours. We go as sent ones, as your children, as your sons and daughters. We say we love you. In your mighty name we pray, amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning.